Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Suspense. This is the Man in Black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. Tonight, our stars from Hollywood are Miss Virginia Bruce and Mr. John Loder. Miss Bruce appears as a beautiful and adventurous young lady who went in search of the bright face of danger and risked her life while finding it. Loader's role is that of the smooth and charming gentleman who granted her employment in a perilous enterprise. The story called The Cross-Eyed Bear by Dorothy B. Hughes is tonight's tale of suspense. If you've been with us before, you will know that suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation, and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so it is with the performances of Virginia Bruce as Lizanne Stephan and John Loder as Bill Folker. We again hope to keep you in suspense. The Cross-Eyed Bear. Subway train, Midtown, New York. A tall blonde girl reading an item in her newspaper. Reading it over and over. An advertisement. A personal advertisement. Wanted. A beautiful girl. No special training required, but must not be afraid to look upon the bright face of danger. Full wardrobe and liberal expenses, good salary. Apply in person, room 1000, the Lorenzo Hotel, East 51st Street. 51st, 51st Street! I uh, came to answer an ad. Oh. Is this the place? Uh, yes, uh, this is the place, I should think. Well, am I the only one? Well, not quite, but uh, just now you're the only one. I see. I thought, listen, Miss, uh, whatever your name is. Lizanne. Lizanne Stephenson. Take my advice, Lizanne, before it's too... Uh, Lydia, about that... Oh, someone to see me? Uh, this young lady came in answer to the end, Mr. Foker. Miss Lizanne Stephenson. I see. Well, won't you come in, Miss Stephenson? Thank you. In here, please, my office. Please sit down, won't you? Thank you. Mm. Uh-huh. Not bad. Oh, excuse me, Miss Stephenson. This is my uh, my associate, Mr. Hugh King. A bodyguard. She might as well know these little things, Bill. Hugh's not really rude, Miss Stephenson. It's just a mannerism. Well, Bill did advertise for a beautiful girl. I've always considered myself sort of an authority on that subject. I see. Perhaps, Mr. Falker, you'd be good enough to explain why... Perhaps I might tell you something about the job, eh? Well... Why did you apply for this position, Miss Stephenson? I, uh... I needed the work. And you're quite sure you're not afraid of danger? As a matter of fact, I suppose I am, but I told you I need the work. Well, that uh, makes two of us. Miss Stephenson, have you ever heard of the uh, cross-eyed bear? Yes. Where? Why, uh... In the papers. Wasn't that what they called Newt Villiers, the Swedish nickel king? Did you know he was dead? Yes, that's how I happened to hear about him, when they had it all in the papers about a year ago. And did you know he had three sons? No, I, I didn't read much beyond the headlines. He did. One of them's dead. His name was Dean, the youngest. The oldest, Stefan, is still in Sweden. The third, Lance Villiers, is where your job comes in. I see. Which she obviously doesn't. I want you to meet Lance Villiers, to get acquainted with him, win his confidence. Do you understand? I think so. We know where he is, who he is, but he won't admit it. 
He pretends he's a piano player named Lance Vaught at Jim and Jack's nightclub. We're pretty sure that Lance Vaught is actually Lars Villiers, the second son of the cross-eyed bear. Am I supposed to know why you want this done? Well, you might as well tell her, Bill. She's in for it now, anyway. In for it? Oh, you means it seems you're hired. You are. Oh, thank you. You accept? Yes, oh, yes, I accept. Well, then, the background, Miss Stefferson, is this. When the cross-eyed bear, that is, old Knut Villiers, died, he left a will. The will was consciously designed to bring about the murder of at least two people. Murder? Yes. He left his estate, which included several important mines, divided equally among his three sons. He left a check for three million dollars. One check torn in three pieces. One piece for each of his sons. And all three pieces must be presented together before the check is valid. A check torn in three pieces? Oh, sure. It's an old gag, but it's effective if you want a house divided. You see, the old bear knew that one son would eventually kill the others for their shares. And he knew which one. Stefan. The one in Sweden? Yes. But why do such a thing if he knew... Survival of the fittest, chum. The fittest to run his empire. The old boy is what is known as a rugged individualist. And because he hated all of his sons and wanted them to hate each other, they weren't even brought up together. Why, they've never even seen each other. But it seems so... Can't someone bring them together? Isn't there some way? Sure. Stefan's way. First he killed Dean, and... Of course, there's no proof. It happened somewhere up in Vermont. I thought you said Stefan was in Sweden. We think he is. But there are ways of doing these things. No, he's on the trail of Lance, the second brother. And that's where you come in. We want to get to him before Stefan does. But if you think you know where he is and who he is, why don't one of you talk to him? Because he's scared. He doesn't trust anyone. He won't talk to anyone. Now, maybe he'll trust you. But, Mr. King, may now, I ask just why you... you see, is neutral, and so they're scared to do anything about it officially. Now, Bill here is like one of those spies in the movies. If he gets caught, his own government is the one to throw the first stone. Besides that, my government is afraid that if Stefan gets control of the mines, he'll turn them over completely to the Germans. Yes, yeah, Stefan's pro-Nazi, among his other virtues. Well, Miss Stefferson, will you be ready to go to work tonight? Yes, I'll be ready. I'll reserve a table at Jim and Jack's. Two, in fact, for, say, uh, ten o'clock. We'll meet you around the corner from the bar. I don't want Lance to see us together. I'll be there. Very well, then, Miss Stefferson. Oh, by the way, here's a little cash. You may want to buy yourself an evening dress or two. Thank you, but... Oh, not at all. Part of the bargain. Goodbye. See you later. Heavens! It's a thousand dollars. Well, so you got the job. Yes. Uh... You were trying to warn me about something before I went in, weren't you? It's no use now. I only hope you have better luck with it than I had. Were you... Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't be. Look, Lizanne, I don't know who you are, but you must be somebody. You must be mixed up in this thing somehow. I must be somebody? If you're not, get out of it while you can. You are, of course, but get out of it anyway. Why? Didn't it ever occur to you that the ad you answered maybe may have been in the papers for weeks and that there are thousands of beautiful girls in New York and that hundreds of them must have come up here and been turned away? I, I wondered, yes. And why do you think out of all those you were chosen? That's it. I don't know. Diary, October 12th. Yes. Why was I chosen? Who are they, really? And more important, what do they know about me? There's no answer except to work with them and wait. At least I know that at last I've found the trail of the cross-eyed bear. It's true, then, about the torn check divided among the three sons. And one is already dead. Dean. The second, the man I'm supposed to meet tonight. To trap. But I'm sure now that I was right to come to New York... And I'm sure I was right to answer the strange ad. As for danger, I always knew it would be there. You're sure Lance hasn't come in yet, Miss Stefferson? Positive. I've asked the head waiter twice. I don't think it'd be wise to ask again. Perhaps not. But does he do this often, uh, stay away like this? No, that's the funny part. They say he's been at that piano every night for a year. This is the first oh, look, time... Lizanne. Do you mind if I call you Lizanne? No. Well, you didn't by any chance tip our friend off that people were looking for him, did you? I? Why should I when I'm working for you? Oh, I'm sorry. Skip it. 
Just a habit. Nobody trusts anybody in this thing anymore. But if you don't trust me... Of course we trust you, Lizanne. Hugh's a little nervous, that's all. Me? I'm not nervous. I like sitting around nightclubs with beautiful girls. You do look very charming tonight, Lizanne. <laughs> it would be hard not to on a thousand dollars. Hey, don't look around now, but our boy's just come in. Did he see us? No. I just happened to be looking around the corner and saw his back. He's heading for the orchestra. All right, Lizanne, here you go. Don't be nervous. Just talk with him, chat along, you know. Yeah, what should I not say? Be as frank as you like. There's nothing to conceal. All right. Oh, waiter. See you later. Waiter, I have a table reserved for tonight. My escort will be along shortly. Uh, yes, madame. Uh, what is the name, please? Stephenson. It's table number 24, I think, over by the orchestra. Oh, well, this way, please, madame. And here we are, madame. Uh, uh, do you wish to order now or later? I'll wait, thank you. Oh, thank you, madame. Excuse me. Yes? May I ask you a question? Why not? Won't you sit down for a minute? All right. Well? I, uh, I wanted to ask your name. My name is Vaught. V-A-U-G-H-T, Vaught. And your first name? Lance. Why? It's only because you look like someone I... Someone whose picture I saw in the paper once. Yeah? Don't you believe me? Why should I? You're just another one of these people who've been going around here lately with a bad case of mistaken identity. Well, you're wrong, too. You know about it, then? About the cross-eyed bear? Of course I do. It's been following me long enough. They think I'm Lance Villiers, that I'm heir to a lot of Swedish dough. Well, I'm not. You still look like the picture I saw in the paper. Who are you working for, Stefan? No. No, that's just it. Don't you see? Your life's in danger. Not as long as I keep my face shut, it isn't. Look, you must trust me. I can help you. I don't need any help. Are you sure you don't? Say, who are you working for? I noticed you ducked that one. No, I didn't. I don't have to lie. Well? Who is it? His name is Bill Foker. I never heard of him. He's working for the Swedish government. He wants to help you, too. A lot of people seem to want to help me. Won't you talk to him? I might. Tonight? They're here at another table. They? Bill and his bodyguard, Hugh King. Oh, since when do representatives of neutral governments need bodyguards? Apparently when they become involved with the cross-eyed bear. Please come. All right. For a couple of minutes. I'll admit I'm... Uh... I'm rather curious. Over here. Oh, I uh, didn't tell you my name, did I? It's Lizanne. Lizanne Stephenson. Oh, nice. Here we are. Mr. Falker, Mr. King, this is Mr. Lance Fort. Oh, How do you do, sir? Won't you sit down, Mr. Fort, please? Thanks. Uh-huh. I thought perhaps I'd recognize you. Oh, yes, I've been in here several times. Pleasure or business? A little of both. Look, Mr. Vaught, I'll speak frankly with you. You can save it. Your Miss Stephenson has told me all about it. My name is Vaught. You're barking up the wrong tree. Got a birth certificate? Why should I show it to you? It might, uh... Uh-oh. Here comes something. Well, hello, Hugh. Hi, Toby. Oh, don't let me disturb you. But, uh, you better make some introductions, Hugh. Well, this is Inspector uh, Tobin of the uh, Homicide Squad. Miss Stephenson, Mr. Vaught. How do you do? Mr. Falker. How do you do? What's up, Toby? Oh, I just thought I'd like to ask a few questions. Well, I, I'm i sure you don't want me. I've got to get back. You better stick around, son. Oh. I don't I suppose see. any of you can give a satisfactory account of your movements between, say, 8 and 10 this evening with witnesses. <laughs> I thought so. How about you, Miss Stephenson? You're a new one. I thought you might at least... Well, uh, it took me quite a long time to dress. <laughs> it looks as though it might have. Well, it's better to have too many suspects than none, I guess. Come on, Toby, give. There's been a murder. A murder? That's right. A certain Lydia Vinton, your secretary, Mr. Volker. Oh, Lydia? Uh, surprised? Why? Of course. Where do I come in on this? Well, now, Mr. Vaught, the New York police know a lot more about what's going on in the world than you think. All sorts of things, like the cross-eyed bear, for instance. I've got nothing to do with the cross-eyed bear. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. 
But there are a lot of people who think you have, including me. But Lydia, poor Lydia, she was only my secretary. She had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with the cross-eyed bear? <laughs> Whether you knew it or not, Mr. Fulker, Lydia Vinton was in the cross-eyed bear thing up to her neck. She knew the Villiers setup. She knew the Villiers family. In fact, she was one of the heirs to the Villiers fortune. Lydia was? Lydia, Mr. Fulker, was the wife of Stefan Villiers. And that's why she was killed. October 14th. Lydia. Poor Lydia. Who tried to warn me. And no wonder. Lydia was an heir to the cross-eyed bear's estate. And she is dead. Dean was the youngest son and heir. And he is dead. And the next, Lance. Of course he is Lance Burgess. His disappearing is as good as signing a confession that he is Lance Burgess. He disappeared not because he was a murderer of Lydia or anyone else. But he is afraid of being murdered. Because he is the second son of the cross-eyed bear. And that means I've got to find him before they do. Fort Lands Fort? No, I don't know anybody by that name. Well, he might be using some other name, but he's a piano player. Well, that isn't him over there, is it? No. You don't have any other piano player, one who's just recently come with you? No, no ma'am. Sure, he belonged to the Musicians' Union. They all do, but he hasn't worked for over a week, and, well, if he didn't leave any forwarding address at his hotel, I'm sorry. Some of these piano players are funny guys. Oh, yes, yes, I know who you mean, all right. I used to go by this corner every evening. Oh, but that fellow's wanted. You don't think you're going to find it before us cops do, do you? <laughs> I know you feel mighty bad about not finding that man. I can see that. Uh, do you want a little advice? Oh, yes, yes, I do. You ever hear the 48 Club up in Harlem? No. Uh, you go up there. Now, I'll tell you how to get there. And you just hang around. You'll show up there one of these nights. But why? Because nobody that's a real musician, and I know that boy is a real musician, nobody could stay away from there very long. They got a piano team up there. Mm -hmm. You just got to hear him ever so often. Now, you just go on up there like I tell Are you sure? I think I know who you mean. I've uh, been keeping my eye out ever since you told me. I see. Well, thank you. Uh, the man you want uh, wouldn't have a beard, would he? Beard? I don't know. He... There's a gentleman right over there. Where? Oh. That him? Well, I'm not sure, but I think I'll take a table for a while anyway. Lance! Lance! Quiet, you little fool. Come here. Sit down. Oh, Lance, I'm so glad I found you. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. And the beard. Well, I had to do something. Not very good. I recognized you. All right. What are you here for? Put the finger on me? Oh, Lance. No, that isn't true. Why not? Because you, you trust me, don't you? Well, yes, for some reason. I know why. Because I trust you when you know it. You trust me. Oh, don't you see? We're all in this together. We're all in danger. Well, how does that apply to you? Well, I'll tell you. First, listen. Don't you see what you've done? By running away, you've all but made an open confession that you are Lance Davis. The police may think you ran away because you killed Lydia. But whoever did kill her knows why you ran away. Don't you see? Yeah, I know. I thought of that after a couple of days, but it was too late then. You are Lance Davis, aren't you? Why should I tell you? Because we can help each other. Because if we don't, we're both helpless. How do I know you're not with them? I'm not with anybody. I'm trying to find out just as much as you are. Look, sister. 
I don't know if you are or not. But I'm gambling with my life. Listen, if your Lance Villiers, you have a torn piece of a check made out by your father, Canute Villiers, the cross-eyed bear, for one-third of his estate. There are two others exactly alike. And all three must be presented together before any are valid. If I show you another of those pieces of that check, then will you believe me? Yes. I will. But first, we've got to find a place for you to hide. Where did you get part of that check? Never mind that now. Where have you been staying? Oh, here and there. One broken down hotel after another. I know. My place. It's got two rooms, and you can have one of them. Isn't that risky? No, don't you see? It's like the story of the man who left the valuable letter in plain sight on his desk. The simplest place to find you is the last place they'll look. Come on. Here we are. How do you like it? Well, it's a lot better than I've been used to lately. And there are bolts on the doors. I had that done the second day I got mixed up in this thing. Oh, which room do you want me to take? Oh, you might as well have this one, I guess. The phone's in the next room. You won't want to be answering that anyway. Well, this is all right. We can work and plan here. It'll be our headquarters. We can... Well, there's the phone now. Make yourself comfortable. Why don't you try the piano? Okay. Hello? Hello? Hello, who is it? Hello, hello. That's funny. There was no... you get here? What happened? You can see for yourself. You killed him. Bill! Toby followed me. He's right behind me. I can't help that. Come on, open up. Come in, come in. The door's open. Where? What happened here? I don't know. I walked in and found them like that. Lover's quarrel, I guess. Bill, what are you saying? So this is where he's been hiding out. No, no! You better take her in, Inspector. Come along, Miss Stefferson. <laughs> Here we are, miss. Don't fret now. It's no use. Try to get a good night's sleep. Can I call a lawyer? Sure you can. You want me to get in touch with someone for you? Who do you want me to call? I I don't know. I don't know who to call her. Or who to talk. October 28th. At least they will let me write. But what? I've been such a fool. They are Stefan's agents, Bill Foker and Hugh King. And I walked into the trap. They must have followed me. Seen me locate Lance. Perhaps even heard what we said. Now Lance is dead. The police believe I killed him. And they will swear to it with all the power of money, even foreign governments behind them. But worst of all, they must know who I am. You must know where the third piece of the cross-eyed bear's check is. That is why I am to be next. Dean, Lydia, Lance, and now Lizanne. Here she is, Mr. Foker. Bill! Lizanne, I'm so sorry. I couldn't come to you sooner. It was a matter of your life and mine, too. Your life? Didn't you see through it? Oh, you poor child, I've been so blind. But it's all right now. We're safe. Are we? Come along, and I'll tell you about it on the way. Everything's in order, isn't it, Matron? Certainly, Mr. Foker. You didn't really think I'd done such a thing to you, did you? Didn't you see him standing there? Who? King. Hugh King. Don't you see it now? Is he? Of course. He's been Stefan's man all the time. Watching me, protecting me, waiting for me, for us to lead him to the answer, and then striking. This way, please, and then you can get out right through the courtyard. Thank you. You see now why I had to do it? I didn't actually see him kill Lance. I got there a second later. If I'd accused him, he'd have denied it. They wouldn't have arrested him for a few hours at least. And in those few hours, with the power of Stefan behind him... It would have been you and I next, Lizanne. But why did you let me be sent to jail? To make him think I believed him. But chiefly because I knew you'd be safe here. 
And only if I knew you were safe could I do what I had to do. What? You won't trouble us again, Lizanne. It's finished at last. Oh, I can still hardly believe that you killed me. Oh, it's been so horrible. I know, my poor child. Come along. I'm going to take you home. Taxi. Lizanne, you should have told me who you were. Just relax for a while. Like a drink? No, thanks. You don't mind if I do? Of course not. As a matter of fact, there are still a few things I haven't told you about this little business of the cross-eyed bear. <laughs> there must be quite a lot of things. For instance, you never knew I had a wall safe behind this bar, did you? No. And of course, you didn't know what I kept in it. Perhaps you'd be interested to see. Cross-eyed bears check all three pieces. Yes. Lance's, who had his part in his pocket, the fool. Yours and my own. You are... You know, I rather marvel that my poor brother Dean managed to marry such a naive girl. You believed in me all the way, haven't you, Lizanne? Even this afternoon. When did you know... Really, my dear, you don't think you were that beautiful, do you? I knew my younger brother had a wife somewhere, and I knew she'd turn up eventually if I used the right bait. The ad. The ad. But you weren't quite as innocent about that ad as you pretended, were you? The beautiful girl went looking for danger. You were trying to find the man who killed Dean, weren't you? Yes. Didn't you realize that he'd only married you for protection, so there'd be one more heir to the Villiers' fortune, so they couldn't all be killed, or so he thought? Yes, I, I realized that after I'd married him. Lizanne, I have a private plane waiting for me, and I have the check. By the way, I got your part out of your safe deposit vault, copies of your keys. Oh. So there's no use prolonging the agony. You understand. You're going to kill me. I'm afraid I must. Dean, Lance, my poor silly wife Lydia, who became a little too panic-stricken... And now, since as Dean's wife, you're the last heir to the Villiers' fortune, I... You can't! You'll never get away with it! I will. Oh, it'll look like suicide, naturally. I've even forged a little note in which you confess to the other murders. Remorse. Uh, do I make myself clear? No! My poor child, you mustn't think you can deceive me by that ancient trick of staring over my shoulder at a non-existent intruder. Drop it, Bill. You! I said drop it. You! You, are you all right? Sure, I'm all right. It was a close one for you, though, baby. I told Tobin to keep you there till I got back. I'll call the doctor. Oh, that can wait. But this can't. Oh, you. November 17th. This is the end of you, darling. I'm a married woman now. And the most appropriate end I can think of is this clipping from today's Times, pasted on the last page. Stephenson King, Villiers heiress, wed FBI agent Hugh King, who shadowed notorious Stephen Villiers for six months to break international murder mystery. By special dispensation of justice and war departments, couple will honeymoon in Sweden. <laughs> closes The Cross-Eyed Bear, starring Virginia Bruce and John Loder. Tonight's tale of Suspense. This is your narrator, the man in black, who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour with us again next week, when Orson Welles will begin a four-week engagement as our very welcome guest on Suspense. During the next weeks, Mr. Wells will star in three unusual and spectacular suspense plays. The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell, The Lost Special by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and Donovan's Brain by Kurt Siodmak, the last of which will be done in two parts on successive weeks. 
The producer of these broadcasts is William Spear, who, with Ted Bliss, the director, Bernard Herman and Lucian Marowick, conductor and composer, and Robert L. Richards, the radio author, collaborated on tonight's Suspense. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is the man in black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. From Hollywood, we bring you a star, Mr. Orson Welles, who this evening begins a four-week engagement as guest of these proceedings. In the interest of prime suspense, Mr. Wells and the producer of this series have scheduled four radio stories which they feel are particularly distinguished in our chosen field. The first of these is The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Garnell. And so with the performance of Orson Wells in the character of General Zaroff and Keenan Wynn as Sanger Rainsford, who learned from Zaroff what was the most dangerous game, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense. I haven't much time. Any moment now he may come in, and when he does, I'm going to kill him. It's him or me, and I'm going to do my best to make it him. Well, maybe it sounds crazy to you. I guess it does. Would have sounded crazy to me a few days ago when I was with Whitney on the yacht. I was on a pleasure trip. Ha! A pleasure trip! How or I, how could I or anyone realize then the horror and torment I was to go through? How was I to know of Yvonne and the death swamp and the hounds? How was I to know of Zaroff? Think of it! It was only four nights ago that the ship went down... We'd been talking about this island, Ship Trap Island, Whitney said it was called on the charts. I was sleepy and started on down below to turn in. I was mixing myself a nightcap when I looked up and saw it. A tremendous reef racing at us out of the fog. I screamed out a warning, but it was too late. We were right upon it. force of the explosion hurled me into the blood-warm waters. Terrified at the suddenness and surprise, my stomach weak and sick at the thought of the others. The sea was eddying furiously around the sinking remnants of the ship. And a certain cool-headedness came to me and made me swim desperately away. Or I might not have lived to go through the horror which was soon to come. I struck out to the right in the direction of the island about which Whitney had been telling me. I had no recollection of how long I swam... But all at once, I heard the muttering and growling of the sea breaking on the rocky shore. With my remaining strength, I dragged myself from the swirling waters. All in, gasping, my hands raw, I at last reached a flat place at the top. I flung myself down at the jungle edge and tumbled headlong into the deepest sleep of my life. When I awoke, I was in a strange place, having no idea how I had done it. Our friend seems to be awakening. I... Where, where is this? Where am I? Do not where be alarmed, you? my friend. 
My man, Ivan, found you out on the cliff. He brought you here to be taken care of. Well, thank God there's life on this island. I hardly believed. Few people do. Yes, you aren't quite safe here in my castle, Mr. Uh, Rainsford. Yes. Rainsford. I'm Sanger Rainsford of New York. Rainsford? Sanger Rainsford? Yes. Well, it is indeed a very great pleasure and honor to welcome you, Mr. Sanger Rainsford. You are the celebrated hunter, are you not? Yes, yes. You know me? Uh, by reputation only. I've read your book about hunting snow leopards in Tibet, you see. My name is General Zaroff. I am not English, Mr. Rainsford, but I went to a good school. Perhaps you recognize the colors of my tie. Uh, no, it makes no difference. I've lived too long in the jungle to be a snob. Well, I... <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I am to meet you, General. And I can't tell you how happy I am to meet you, Mr. Rainsford. But come, we shouldn't be chatting here. We can talk later. You must be hungry. Yes, I am, rather. <laughs> what? Uh, Ivan thought you'd like a robe. He's drying your clothes for you. Oh, thank you. Ivan's an incredibly strong fellow, but you mustn't mind his looks. His ears were cut off in battle, and he has the misfortune to be deaf and dumb. He is sensitive about his appearance. A simple fellow, really, but I'm afraid a bit savage. Oh? He's been in our family for years. <laughs> Follow Ivan, if you please, Mr. Rainsford. I was about to have my luncheon just before you awoke. We can have it together now. Does the robe fit you all right? Oh, yes, yes, perfectly, thanks. I am so glad. You uh, have quite a collection of heads here. Lions, tigers, mm. elephants, moose, bears. Oh, I don't believe I've ever seen a more perfect specimen. They are nice. I take great pride in them. You have good cause. Coming from you, Mr. Rainsford, that is a great compliment. And here we are. You sit over there. Thank you. Not at all. Right, Ivan. We do our best to preserve the amenities of civilization here. Please forgive many lapses. Oh, of course. Yes. Well off the beaten track, you know. Uh, Shushu. 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 <laughs> this is my little pet, Mr. Rainsford. As a hunting falcon, Shushu is of no further usefulness in the field. But I am fond of its company. Am I not, little sweetheart? <coughs> Patience, my darling. I know you're hungry, my dear. We hunt tonight. Your, uh, your heads are really remarkable, General. Mm. That, uh, that Cape Buffalo is the largest I've ever seen. Ah, it's that fellow. He's a monster. Mm. Did he charge you? Hurled me against a tree, fractured my skull, left me the scar... I got the brute. <laughs> I've, uh, I've always thought the Cape Buffalo is the most dangerous of all games. Oh, uh, no, no, you're wrong. Wrong, sir. The Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. Ivan, the wine. Uh, how does he understand you? He reads my lips. I think you like this champagne, Mr. Rainsford. Ivan chills it expertly. Uh, no, no, the, the Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. Here in my preserve on this island, I hunt more dangerous game. Oh, is there a big game on this island? The biggest. Oh, really? Oh, it isn't here naturally, of course. I have to stock the island. Uh, what have you imported, General? Uh, jaguars? Mm, jaguars. I hope you like filet mignon, Mr. Ray. I do very much, thank you. Uh, is it jaguars, General? No, 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 no. Hunting jaguars ceased to interest me some years ago. I exhausted their possibilities, you see. I... No thrill left in jaguars, you understand? No real danger. I live for danger, Mr. Rainsford. <clears throat> we will have some capital hunting, you and I. I shall be most glad to have your company. Yes, but I'll okay. tell you, you'll be amused, I know. I think you may say in all modesty that... I've done a rare thing. Yes, I've invented a new sensation. May I pour you another glass of champagne, Mr. Rainsford? Thank you, General. God makes some men poets. Some he makes kings, some beggars. Me, he made a hunter. My hand was made for the trigger. My father once said that. Made for the trigger. My whole life has been one prolonged hunt. I've hunted every kind of game in every land. It'd be impossible for me to tell you how many animals I've killed. Grizzlies in your Rockies, crocodiles in the Ganges, rhinoceroses in East Africa. This is in Africa, by the way. That 
Cape Buffalo hit me and laid me up for six months. Mm. As soon as I recovered, I started for the Amazon to hunt jaguars, but I'd heard they were unusually cunning. <laughs> they weren't. They were no match at all for a hunter with his wits about him, the high-powered rifle. I was bitterly disappointed. I was lying in my tent with a splitting headache one night, and a terrible thought pushed its way into my head. Hunting was beginning to bore me. And hunting, remember, had been my life. I've heard that in America, businessmen often go to pieces when they give up the business that's been their life. Yes, yes, that's uh, so. I, I had no wish to go to pieces. <laughs> I, I, I must do something. Uh, now, mine is an analytical mind, Mr. Rainsford. Doubtless... That is why I enjoy the problems of the chase. Oh, no doubt, General. So I asked myself why the hunt no longer fascinated me. You are much younger than I am, Mr. Rainsford, and have not hunted as much, but you perhaps can guess the answer. Now, what is it? Simply this. Hunting had ceased to be what you call a sporting proposition. It had become too easy. I always got my quarry. Always. It's no greater bore than perfection. Cigarette? Well, no, thank you. Uh, no animal had a chance with me anymore. Not a chance. That is no boast. It is a mathematical certainty. The animal had nothing but his legs and his instinct. Instinct is no match for reason. When I thought of this, it was a tragic moment for me, I can tell you. It came to me as an inspiration. What I must do. And that was? I had to invent a new animal to hunt. A new animal? Oh, you're joking. Not at all. I never joke about hunting. I needed a new animal. I found one. So I bought this island, built this castle, and here I do my hunting. The island's perfect for my purposes. There are jungles with a maze of trails in them. Hills, swamps... Yes, but the terrain. animal... The animal, General Zara. It supplies me with the most exciting hunting in the world. No other hunting compares with it for an instant. Every day I hunt... I never grow bored now, for I have a quarry with which I can match my wits. Yes, but you still have I wanted the ideal animal to hunt, so I said, what are the attributes of an ideal quarry? And the answer was, of course, it must have courage, cunning, and above all, it must be able to reason. Well, no animal can reason. My dear fellow, there is one that can. One? But you can't mean... And why not? Well, I... I can't believe you're serious, General Zaroff. You're just joking. Joking? I'm quite serious. Speaking about hunting. Hunting? You're speaking about murder. Oh, dear me, that unpleasant word. I think I can show you that your scruples are quite ill-founded. Yes? I hunt the scum of the earth. Sailors from tramp ships, Laskars... Japs, mongrels, a thoroughbred horse, a hound is worth more than a score of them. But these are men. Precisely, that is why I use them. It gives me pleasure. They can reason after a fashion, so they are dangerous. But where do you get them? <laughs> we visit my training school. It is in the cellar. I have about a dozen pupils down there now. They're from the Spanish bark San Lucar that had the bad luck to go with the rocks out there. A very inferior lot, I regret to say. Poor specimens, more accustomed to the deck than to the jungle. Another glass? No. It's a game, you see. It's a sort of game. I, I suggest to one of them that we go hunting. I give him a supply of food and an excellent hunting knife. I give him three hours start. I am to follow, armed only with a pistol of the smallest caliber and range. If my quarry eludes me for three whole days, he wins the game. If I find him, he loses. Suppose he refuses to be hunted. Oh, I give him his choice, of course. He need not play that game if he does not wish to. If he does not wish to hunt, I turn him over to Ivan. Ivan once had the honor of serving as official knouter to my old king, and he has his own ideas of sport. Invariably, Mr. Rainsford, 
Invariably, they choose the hunt. And if they win? Uh, to date, I have not lost. I do not wish you to think me a braggart, Mr. Rainsford. Many of them afford only the most elementary sort of problem, I assure you. Occasionally, I strike a tartar. Shoo-shoo <laughs> 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 remembers the tartar, don't you, darling? <laughs> yes. Yes, he almost did win. I eventually had to use the hounds. You see? Wait a moment. I'll open the window. Hello, boys! <laughs> a rather good lot, I think. They're let out at seven every night. If anyone should try to get into my castle or out of it, something extremely regrettable would occur to you. Uh, but enough of this. Come, I want to show you a collection of heads I'm quite sure you've never seen before. Join me in the library for coffee. I uh, hope that you will excuse me tonight, General. Oh. I, I'm really not feeling well at all. Indeed. I know what it is. My old complaint. <laughs> Ennui, boredom. You need some excitement. Tonight we'll hunt. Hey, Mr. Rainsford. You and I. You're wrong, General. I won't hunt. I won't murder. As you wish, my friend. The choice rests entirely with you. But may I not venture to suggest that you will find my idea of sport more diverting than Ivan's? <laughs> my dear fellow. You don't mean that you plan to hunt me. My dear fellow. Have I not told you I always mean what I say about hunting. This is really an inspiration. I drink to a foeman worthy of my steel at last. I simply can't believe this must be some sort of dream. You'll find the game worth playing, Mr. Rainsford. Think of it, your brain against mine, your woodcraft against mine, your strength, your stamina against mine. Outdoor chess. <laughs> and the stake is not without value, eh? And if I win... I'll cheerfully acknowledge myself defeated if I do not find you by midnight of the third day. My sloop will place you on the mainland near a town. Or you can trust me. and give you my word as a gentleman and a sportsman. Of course, you in turn must agree to say nothing of your visit here. I will agree to nothing of the kind. Oh. Well, in that case... But why discuss that now? Uh, three days hence, we can discuss it over a bottle of Vufdicot, unless... Uh, well, your choice, Mr. Rainsford. I'm a hunter. You know my choice. Mm -hmm. Yvonne here will supply you with hunting clothes, food, and knife. I suggest you wear moccasins. They leave a poorer trail. I suggest, too, that you avoid the big swamp in the southeast corner of the island. We call it Death Swamp. There's quicksand there. Well, I must beg you to excuse me now. We always take our siesta after our lunch. Don't we, Shushu? <laughs> yes. Come, my little pet. You'll hardly have time for a nap, I fear, Mr. Rainsford. Uh, you, you'll want to start, of course. I shall not follow till dusk. Hunting at night is so much more exciting than by day, don't you think? <clears throat> well, au revoir, Mr. Rainsford. Oh, I... <laughs> I'd fought my way through the bush for two hours, repeating to myself over and over again, I must keep my nerve, I must keep my nerve. My whole idea at first was to put distance between myself and General Zarov. And to this end, I had plunged along through the thicket spurred on by the sharp rowls of something very much like panic. Now I had got a grip on myself. I'd stopped. I was taking stock of the situation. I saw that straight flight was futile. Inevitably, it would bring me face to face with the sea. Well, I'll give him a trail, I muttered. And I struck off from the rude path I had been following and into the trackless wilderness. I made a series of intricate loops. I doubled back on my trail again and again, recalling all the lore of the fox hunt, all the dodges of the fox. Night found me exhausted, my hands and face lashed by the branches on a thickly wooded ridge. My need for rest was imperative, and I thought, I've played the fox, now I must play the cat of the fable. A big tree with a thick trunk and outspread branches was nearby, 
and taking care not to leave the slightest mark, I climbed up and stretched out on one of the broad limbs. Rest brought me new confidence and almost a feeling of security. Even so expert a hunter as General Zaroff cannot trace me here, I assured myself. An apprehensive night crawled slowly by, my mind keenly alert for any sound, any warning. And towards the dawn, an instinct I never knew existed, like an animal must possess, impelled me to look far off in the distance in a westerly direction. Sure enough, following the trail with the sureness of a bloodhound came General Zaroff. Nothing escaped those searching black eyes. No cracked blade of grass, no bent twig, no mark, no matter how fine in the moss. My heart pounding furiously, I slid down quickly from the tree and struck off again into the woods. I knew I had to do something desperate. I knew that I had little time in which to do it. Three hundred yards from my hiding place, I stopped where a huge dead tree leaned precariously on a smaller living one. Throwing off my sack of food, I took my knife from its sheath and began to work with all my energy. The job was finished at last. And I threw myself down behind a fallen log 300 feet away. I did not have to wait long. flight that carried me on for hours. I don't know where I got the strength. I kept telling myself over and over again that I must keep my nerve. That I was competing with a monster, a super huntsman. Dusk came, then darkness, and still I managed to press on. The ground grew softer under my moccasins. The vegetation grew ranker, denser. Insects bit at me savagely. Suddenly, as I stepped forward, my foot sank into the ooze. I tried to wrench it back, but the muck sucked viciously at my foot like a giant leech. With a violent effort, I tore my foot loose. I knew where I was then. Death swamp and its quicksand. The softness of the earth had given me an idea. I stepped back from the quicksand a dozen feet or so and began to dig. When the pit was above my shoulders, I climbed out and from some hard saplings cut stakes and sharpened them to fine points. These stakes I planted in the bottom of the pit with the points sticking upwards. As fast as I could, I wove a rough carpet of weeds and branches and with it covered the mouth of the pit. And wet with sweat and aching with tiredness, I crouched behind the stump of a lightning-charmed tree. Oh, I knew Zaroff was coming. I could hear the paddling sound of his feet on the soft earth. Zaroff was coming and coming fast. He was not feeling his way along foot by foot. Crouching there, I could neither see him nor see the pit. I lived a year and a minute, frozen, every muscle tensed.
At daybreak, lying near the swamp, I was awakened by a sound that made me know I had new things to learn about fear. It was a distant sound, faint and wavering, but I knew it. It was the baying of a pack of hounds. I could do one of two things. I could stay where I was and wait. That was suicide. I could flee. That was postponing the inevitable. I had put my very last hope into that tiger pit. For a moment, I stood there thinking. All at once, an idea that held a wild chance came to me, and tightening my belt, I headed away from the swamp. The baying of the hounds drew nearer. They would be on me any minute now. My mind worked frantically. I thought of a native trick I had learned in Uganda. I caught hold of a springy young sapling, and to it fastened my hunting knife with the blade pointing down the trail. With a bit of wild grapevine, I tied back the sapling. Then I ran for my life. I raised that terrifying voice as I heard them and felt the fresh scent. I knew then how an animal at bay feels. At last I had to stop to get my breath. The baying of the hounds stopped just as suddenly. And with it, my heart stopped too. They must have reached the knife. Excitedly, I shinned up a tree and looked back. My pursuers had stopped all right. But the hope that had been in my brain when I climbed died. For in the shallow valley, I saw that General Zaroff was still on his feet. But Ivan was not. Apparently, he had come along to hold the hounds. The knife, driven by the recoil of the springing tree, had splintered through his chest. I'd hardly tumbled to the ground when the pack took up the cry again. Nerve, 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 I panted as I dashed along. A blue gap showed between the trees dead ahead. The hounds were almost on top of me. I forced myself on towards that gap. I reached it. It was the shore of the sea. Across the cove, I could see the gloomy gray stone of the castle. Twenty feet below me, the sea rumbled and hissed. I hesitated. I heard the hounds. Then I leaped far out into the sea. good to me. And I'm here safe in the general's bedroom waiting for him. Three days are up, and I've eluded him. But now I must go further. In a moment, we will meet, he and I, and he will be unarmed. Only one of us is going to live. You understand that now. dear. You must forgive me. You're hungry, I know. <laughs> Shushu. Rainsford. General. Rainsford. How on earth did you get here? Swam. I found it easier and quicker than walking through the jungle. I congratulate you. Extraordinary. You've won the game. Oh, no, General. I'm still a beast at bay here. <coughs> Get ready, General Zaroff. Swords? Yes, two of them. I see. Oh, very good. Very good, Rainsford. One of us, then, is to furnish a repast for the hounds. The other will sleep in this, this very excellent bed. <laughs> excellent. On guard, Rainsford. my late host said it would be. A very excellent bed. And so closes The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell, starring Orson Welles. 
tonight's tale of suspense. Mr. Wells was General Zaroff and Keenan Wynne, Rainsford. This is your narrator, the man in black, who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour in suspense next week, same time, when Orson Wells will again be our star in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Lost Special. The producer of suspense is William Spear, who tonight also directed the broadcast, and who, with Bernard Herman, the conductor, Lucian Marowick, who composed the original score, and Private Jack Anson Fink, the radio author, collaborated on tonight's Suspense. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.